At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation. And Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews. We're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now. The latest on your Raiders and the NFL. Scott Goldbranson and Mo. Welcome back. It's time for Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Also heard on the radio on the bet in Las Vegas. If you haven't subscribed to the show, what are you waiting for? Come on, it's week 14. Do so wherever you get your audio. Just look for Silver and Black today. Turn on that auto download and we will praise you from here to the other side of the world. So thank you very much for that. If you're watching us on YouTube, subscribe there as well. Hit the notifications bell. Uh, we appreciate you guys being active in the chat there. I am Scott Cobranson, your host, and as always joined by my co-host, that is Mr. Mo Moten. He is the senior NFL writer at Bleacher Report. You can catch his work there, including his Bleacher Report lives before and after every Raiders game. Plus, you can catch his Raiders-specific work up on sportsnot.com, where he's a Raiders columnist. You can also catch my work there, both video and the, in the written format. So check out sportsnot.com. We appreciate you guys uh, being with us today. Coming off the bye week, yes, no Raider football on Sunday, but you guys were all active, as at least that I could tell, in social media. A lot of stuff going on, Mo. Uh, and we're going to jump around and talk about a bunch of stuff, but we also want to talk about the Raiders' getting ready after this bye week. But it's always interesting how the gap of of content and discussion is filled in a bye week for the Raiders because (laughs) we saw a couple things, right? We saw a couple things, and I'll bring it up. And I know, I know, before you start typing in the comments, rent-free in your head, chill out. Derek Carr had a tough game with the the Saints again. He's having a tough season there. Also got hurt, so I hope he's doing okay. That's an injury is never something you cheer for, whether you love a player or don't like a player. You never cheer for that. But we saw a lot of Derek Carr conversation. We saw a conversation about coaching candidates for the Raiders, which is remarkable because now I think we're down to 
all sorts of names. I think maybe even <laughs> um, even uh, uh, JFK Jr., who there's a conspiracy that he didn't die in that plane crash, and so now maybe he's a candidate for the Raiders coaching position. But anyway, Mo, it's a bye week, so right, everybody's filling their time with uh, some good discussion, some nonsense, and then, of course, some infighting that happens in every fan base. But uh, getting into this weekend, you know, the Raiders, uh, look at the AFC West. This is where I wanted to start, man. Because listen, I know people will be upset with me, but the Raiders, while technically still alive in the playoff race, are not going to make the playoffs. Okay? They're not going to make the playoffs, but they can play spoiler. They can have a huge impact on this, this very close AFC race, including the AFC West, because... The Kansas City Chiefs lost on Sunday to the Green Bay Packers now, and you pointed this out on X.com, Mo. The, the Packers have now beat the Lions and the Chiefs in consecutive weeks, and Jordan Love looks like he might actually be their franchise quarterback. So the AFC continues to be wild. I mean, it's, it's crazy. The Raiders are on the outside looking in. Had they won a game against Kansas City or the game against Miami, we might be in a little bit of a different position. But uh, this AFC is just just wacky. I'll take a step further. Had had they fired Josh McDaniels before the Bears game and started mm. eight O'Connell, I think they could have beat the Bears with an undrafted rookie quarterback. That was probably the the one game I could say that really hurts uh, if you're a Raider fan is that Bears game. There's no way the Bears should have shellacked the Raiders. I don't care if you're going east, going to the Midwest, going to Saturn, going to Jupiter. I don't care where the Raiders are traveling. They should have beat the Bears in that game. And there was no way Brian Horry should be on the field. But that, get, but getting to your point about the AFC West, I know there are some fans that say, we're going to hold out hope for the Raiders making the playoffs until they're mathematically eliminated. So technically, I would say if the Raiders wanted to, let's just say if you're a fan of positive outlook, if the Raiders <laughs> want to make the playoffs, realistically, they're going to have to win three of uh, four of the next five to even be in the discussion, which will right. put them at nine and eight, right? And even nine and eight may not get them in with the way the Texans are playing. I think I still think the Broncos still have a good shot, even though they lost to the Texans. They're, they are six and six. Russell Wilson is playing efficient football. I think the Broncos are going to eventually bounce back. They get the Chargers twice. They'll probably split their season series. And the Pittsburgh Steelers, though, I, listen, I can't stomach Pittsburgh Steelers games unless they're playing the Raiders because their offense is so bad. I know I'm, that's saying a lot because I'm covering a Raider team that hasn't scored more than 17 points in three straight games. I get it. But now Kenny Pickett is hurt. We don't know what's going to happen with the Steelers. They could fall out of the playoff picture. Mitchell Trubisky is probably going to start. They're seven and five, and that team is very. Jerry, our friend Jerry but will tell you that team is very much flawed. Mm -hmm. So, if you're of the belief that anything is possible, you still have five weeks left. If the Raiders go on a, a run, and I, I go back to the story all the time in 2021 when people were counting the Raiders out of the playoff race. I know it was a COVID year. They rattled off a win streak to end the season, they, and they snuck into the playoffs. Oh, that snuck in. They got in, I believe, as as the fifth seed, and they played the Bengals pretty close, who eventually went to the Super Bowl. So if Antonio Pierce and Bo Hardegree have the magic sauce to get the Raiders' offense back on track, who knows what could happen. But one step at a time, you got to get through the Minnesota Vikings. Now, if they lose that Vikings game, it's cash money done. You're not making the playoffs. Definitely. Oh, yeah. At five well, and eight. See, see and, and I, I understand, and, and look, anything can happen. So you always have that piece out there because yeah. anything can happen. 
You look at the world we live in today, and believe me, it, everything crazy happens. So <laughs> they, you, it's, it's, it, they got to go five and zero. Oh, I, I think, I think to 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 have a chance in the playoffs. Okay. Yeah. That's really. a tough road, especially when you got to go to Kansas City on Christmas and win. But who knows? You know, every year, as you know, to the chagrin of someone, probably you, Mo, because you got to listen to it. Um, I do my night before Christmas. Twas the night before Christmas Raider version. And this time, maybe, maybe, maybe Al Davis, you know, the jolly old Al Davis comes down and brings them a win in Kansas City. You never know. But either way, look, the, the AFC is crazy. You see teams, and remember, I keep and our good friend Murph, who is always glass half full, which I appreciate. And he's a fan and he 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 does his thing. But he talked about winnable games. And I'm looking at this stretch and I see the Vikings. I I agree. I think the Vikings, you know, who knows where they're at. But then you look at the Colts. The Colts have won, what, four in a row now, right? Big win yesterday. Minshew Magic is back in Indianapolis. They go on the road. They win a big game uh, in Tennessee in overtime. Uh, And then you have the Chargers who, yeah, two field goals against that terrible New England team. Now, the defense, New England's defense, not as bad as their offense, but still not great. So the Chargers couldn't score, um, but if you're a Charger fan, you're sitting there saying, well, our defense held them to no points, but it's like, yeah, against Zappi, it's not exactly hard. So you look at the schedule and you think about winnable games, and I don't think you can look at any any game and say, well, uh, we should win that one. No, uh, I think you have to look at the schedule and say, okay, how do we get out of this thing and do the best that we can and learn the most that we can about our roster, about our quarterback? And and going five and zero just doesn't seem feasible to me with a rookie quarterback as good as Aiden O'Connell has been because he has been very good. That said, uh, you look at this team; they come into this week now, Mo. They have two roster spots open after the roster moves last week, of course, uh, when they cut Marcus Peters and and they let go of Roderick Teamer after his DUI alleged DUI, and so. What do you do with two roster spots? Well, there's not much to do right now, right? I mean, I think I'm looking at the defensive backfield needs and I'm thinking, okay, maybe you elevate Sam Webb there. What other moves do you think they can do? Because I don't think you go outside the team. I go, you look at that practice squad, Mo. Who do you maybe bring up from that practice squad, make them active and see if you have something there over the next few weeks? Well, you you kind of stole my thunder there with Sam Webb. He was in my last sports not pe- sports not piece as one of the solutions of, of replacing Marcus Peters. Now I think that's a long shot solution because he's been on the practice squad, but he has more experience in this system than guys like Brendan Faison, who just came on and really was on IR since September. And you, you look at it and say, well, he's been around Patrick Graham. He's played mostly in the preseason, but maybe they give him a shot. They saw something in him that he made the 53-man roster two years ago as an undrafted rookie. So maybe they surprise us and put Sam Webb out there. But I think Brandon Faison's is a wild card to, if he's healthy. Had a shin injury, I believe. He's a wild card because he would be the biggest cornerback they have you know, on the field because he's about 6'2", 200 pounds. He's really the only Raider uh, cornerback who's taller than six one, I believe. So if they want to throw something different out there to defenses, Faison could be the option. I, I think honestly they go with Jack Jones, who they claimed off of waivers. But getting back to the practice squad, if they want to bring somebody off the practice squad other than Sam Webb, I would still say Nesta J. Severa or Byron Young. Why are we not seeing more by he's a third round pick. I understand a yeah. third round pick is not a surefire starter, but the fact that Byron Young is inactive for most of the season as a third round pick 
worries me because that remember that was the pick that a lot of Raider fans were skeptical about because they said, well, can he rush the pass or can he make an impact because the Raiders need someone on the inside to complement Max Crosby and the Raiders still need that play on, on the interior to complement Max Crosby. So I, I want to see Byron Young or Nesta J. Severa on the field. Now, Nesta J., as I pointed out, had an Instagram post that may have got him in a doghouse criticizing the coach staff, putting, putting him on the bench. But if it's about winning games, I think one of those two guys, Byron Young or Nesta J. Severa, have to be on the field for the rest of the way. It's interesting too because I think look you're you're not eliminated from the race you sit there at 5 and 7 so you're 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 still fighting and scrapping and there is no tanking and all that jazz that people want to always talk about. At the same time I think you're right you do have to find out what you have in these kids that are there. What can they do? Because you're not going to do worse than you have now. I'm not saying. And if they do worse then you get then you know what you have. Another name that popped out at me as as you were talking I looked up the the practice squad. And it's a guy I completely forgot about. I mean, literally forgot he was even on the Raiders roster. And it makes sense because with the uncertainty around Josh Jacobs next year, a guy that we talked about during the preseason, uh, Sincere McCormick, is on the practice squad. Why not Ah. elevate him? Because, look, I think we've seen Zamir White. I think we've seen Abdul. I don't think those guys are the answer. I don't think they're long-term solutions at running back. I'm not saying Sincere McCormick is either, Mo. I wasn't overly impressed during the preseason with him, but why not give him a shot? You're going to need somebody to come in there. I think this is the time when you start working a little bit of rotation and start seeing what you have there. Uh, And and if he's not great, then you move on in the offseason or you keep him as a developmental player. But I think the Raiders need to start thinking about the future here and and running back is part of that because we don't know what's going to happen with Josh Jacobs next year. Well, I talked about that in my... One of my pieces against, I believe it was against the Chiefs, the game plan to beat the Chiefs. The Raiders have to figure out who their RB2 is. If they're serious about winning games for the rest of the season, they need a legitimate RB2. Because if Josh Jacobs goes down, what are they going to do? Because I I have zero trust in Zamir White. And I know this goes back to the preseason. I said it in the preseason. Zamir White isn't the guy to be a number two. And a lot of people jumped on my neck. Mo, you're being too harsh. Zamir White's going to be fine. You just got to give him more volume. He's going to be a solid number two. Where's Zamir White been? I, there's a re- I think there's a reason why Josh Jacobs hasn't been part of a running back committee as we thought he would be under Josh McDaniels and he soaked up most of the carries because I, I, I think that Coach Steph sees that Zamir White can't carry the low there even as a number two. So I think that's another – maybe it's early to say this, but I think that's another whiff by the Ziegler-Josh McDaniels regime. I know it's a fourth-round pick, Zamir White, but at this point of time – Toward the end of the season, as you said, you're going to need more of a rotation at running back, especially with Josh Jacobs taking a load he's he's taken on over the last two years. So he's had a ton of carries. Remember, he led the league in carries last year. He's got a ton of He has a big workload this year. We all know now, knock on wood, he's been relatively healthy and hasn't had to hobble off the field. But you, you got to have someone as a, as a change of pace running back. You see that across the league now. There are very few workhorse running backs. And even even the workhorse running backs, even the Derrick Henrys of the world, they, uh, the Titans drafted uh, Tajay Spears. So, yeah. you know, there, there are change of pace backs on these other teams with workhorse running backs. And Raiders have to figure, figure that out. Who's going to be the number two behind Jacobs? And you bring up a good point because going back to the preseason, that's what we heard from the former regime was – that there would be more of a rotation at running back to give Jacobs a spell. Now, even if Jacobs gets 20 carries a game, that to me, I think for this offense to be really humming, you should you should have close to 30 carries a game from a running back. 
right? Not a running back, but from your running backs. So if you get 15 to 20 to Josh Jacobs and, and 10 to 5 to 10 to the RB2, that's where you should be, right? You should be in that in that space. And to your point, that's where I think you got to find out. And they haven't found an RB2. They just haven't. So it's going to be on the li- long list of, of, of players they need to think about when they go into the offseason because uh, those situations are, are, are huge. I mean, because, again, Josh Jacobs, I don't care who the new coach is, whether it's Antonio Pierce or it's someone else, and whether the GM is Champ Kelly or somebody else, they're going to have to make a decision on Josh Jacobs. And I just don't see the Raiders giving a big contract to him after this year, even though he's done well at times. Not all his fault, clearly. But uh, I just don't see the, the the team going in that direction. So we'll have to see. Uh, what, el- what else do they need to do? I mean, look, Aiden O'Connell, I don't care if Aiden O'Connell throws five interceptions in a game, and hopefully he doesn't. You got to keep him in there. You just got to keep rolling with Aiden O'Connell. There's no sense in going any direction unless he, you know, knock on wood, got hurt or something like that. Uh, he's the guy the rest of the way. I think you're seeing from him development. And, and these next five games will determine what they're going to do with him. Either way, Mo, I don't see this organization, especially where it's at, saying Aiden O'Connell's our guy, so we don't need to worry about quarterback. You, you and I have talked about this numerous times here on the show. They will be in the market for a quarterback, whether it's moving up in the draft in the first round or it's getting a player where they sit in the first round or in the second round. It could be there too. But if they want a bona fide, I think, top-notch quarterback, difference maker, franchise guy immediately, they would have to move up. I don't think they can move up to number one, but they might be able to move up for a Drake May or someone like that, uh, whoever goes one and two. I think Caleb Williams is still going to go number one. Um, but that quarterback position is going to be interesting because that's where I don't think people need to get upset about Aiden O'Connell. If he does really well, great. But he's not going to be the guy you you say, hey, we're going with him. He is our guy for the next 10 years because we just don't know that. And I don't think we'll know that even after five games. I said this last show. I said Aiden O'Connell can do very little right now to to sway me from wanting to draft a quarterback outside of the Raiders going all the way to the AFC championship game, which I'm sorry, fans is probably not going to happen <laughs> outside of that happening. There's nothing Aiden O'Connell could really do in this final five, stretch of five games to say, you know what? We don't need to draft a quarterback in the first or second round. We're good with Aiden O'Connell. And I partially say that because one, I prefer a mobile quarterback. We've seen Aiden O'Connell now, though he has improved in the pocket, He'll never be able to be a naturally mobile quarterback. You, you just you just don't go from being what he is to being functionally mobile. Doesn't happen. And in today's league, I'm gonna say this again: in today's league, at the quarterback position, you need more than a passer. You need a playmaker. And what I mean by that is, you need someone who's going to be to be able to evade pressure when the offensive line breaks down, extend plays, make off-platform throws, improv plays. You need all of that at the quarterback position in today's league. And Aiden O'Connell is very limited in those all in those off-platform, you know, improv, on the move type of throws. So the Raiders, to me, they they just have to modernize their quarterback position. I think Josh McDaniels was stuck in the past. He wanted a bunch of pocket passers. Jarrett Stidham, who he had last year, is probably his most mobile quarterback. Now you got Brian Hoyer, who's a 38-year-old statue. You got Aiden O'Connell who could barely move. Jimmy Garoppolo has some movement, some functional movement, but he's not the most mobile quarterback either, and he gets hurt. Right. Moder- Raiders need to, first of all, Raiders need to modernize their quarterback position. Get a mobile quarterback. Get a guy who can throw on the move. 
Get a guy who's naturally mobile. <laughs> that's the that's step one, and that's why I say there's nothing Aiden O'Connell can really do to sway me away from drafting that type of quarterback. Right, and 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 when you say mobile quarterback, this is where I, I some of our great listeners and some of my great followers on X were engaging with me on this on Sunday because I was talking about C.J. Stroud. I was watching C.J. Stroud, who has his moments of a struggle too. Obviously, he's a rookie. Uh, he's broken every rookie record there is, though. But anyway. I saw him move in the pocket, get flushed out of the pocket. The pass rush was was huge. And he steps out, looks downfield, and, and is moving and finds, uh, before he got hurt, Tank Dell for a 26-yard gain on a play that most, if you're a pocket passer, it's a sack. There's no, there's no question. You're done. You're a sack. And I had people push back on me. Well, what about Jared Goff? I'm like, okay, so, so out of the top 10 quarterbacks in the league right now, eight or nine of them, I could argue nine, are mobile. Not running, mobile quarterbacks. And you pick the one guy. So it's like, yeah, I could find a pocket passer, but they're going away. When Jared Goff is gone, and by the way, Jared Goff has done a fine, except for the last couple of games he struggled, actually. But for, for the season, done a great job with the Lions. I'm not taking anything away from him. But what would the Lions be like with a C.J. Stroud or a Lamar Jackson? I mean, you have to look at it that way, too. If you had a more mobile quarterback, are you putting more points on the board? Are you moving the offense better because of the way it moves? So, so yes. Yeah, so I agree with you there, too. I think that that is how it's got to be. If you don't see that, then you're not watching enough football. I'm not saying that a pocket passer won't come out and be successful from time to time. They will in a system. But overall, in the NFL, look at all the guys going deep in the playoffs and find me somebody who's a statue. You just can't find them. But, but Scott, even with the Jarrett Goff example, look at the Lions' offensive line. They got yeah. two first-rounders at tackle in Taylor Decker and Penny Sue, who they drafted not too long ago. Yeah. The Lions have one of the best offensive lines in the league, and that's how their offense is functioning at a high level. Because if the Lions, let me tell you, the Lions had an average offensive line, Jarrett Goff wouldn't be as good as he is right now. So if you're right. going to go with a pocket-passing quarterback, your offensive line better be top five. And if it's not, you're going to struggle. And that's my point about having a quarterback who can move is that you limit yourself because he's at the mercy of his offensive line. If you're, if you're starting right tackle, left tackle go down, yeah. Colt Miller, we saw missed a couple of games with the shoulder injury, then what? So you, you have to give yourself an out just in case your offensive line is not playing well. And that out is having a quarterback who can move. Cause as I said, we, and you pointed out, and we've seen Jared golf kind of struggle in some spots in the, in the past few weeks. Yes. And part of that is because teams have been able to get pressure on him. And if you can get pressure on a Jared Goff, he can't do much to evade that pressure. And, and, and like you said, if you look at teams that are upper echelon, their quarterbacks may not rush for 100 yards a game or 75 yards a game, but those quarterbacks can run for first downs if they need to. And, and I think that's what the Raiders need right now. Right, and that's why the Lions almost lost that game to the Saints after Thanks. leading twenty-one nothing in the first quarter. Their 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 offense struggled to get going because of the pressure. And by the way, not only that offensive line, but they have two of the best catch pass or catch pass catching uh, running backs in the league, and Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery, both very good out of the backfield catching the ball. They utilize that all the time uh, as well, so that helps golf back there as well. He can get rid of the ball quickly. And still get positive yards out of it. So, all right, we're going to take our first break. When we come back here on Silver and Black today, the Tuesday edition, uh, going into week 14, the Raiders uh, take on the Minnesota Vikings. We're going to talk about the coaching search a little bit. And is it is it too early to talk about a coaching search? Are we all 
just beating our heads against the wall. We'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about media on media violence, all kinds of things happening <laughs> out there in Raider Nation. You're with Mo and Scott. This is Silver and Black today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, Silver and Black. Today, the Tuesday edition of our Odyssey original podcast covering your Las Vegas Raiders. Mo Moten, Scott Branson with you. We roll into segment number two here. And Mo, I don't know if you noticed it over the weekend, but all these names being thrown around for Raiders coach. And some of them are are quite shocking. Uh, <laughs> there's been stories about John Gruden coming back. Oh, my goodness. And John Gruden coming back despite the fact that he's suing the NFL uh, and and that Mark Davis really wants John Gruden. Then even Rich Basaccia, you know, the guy who everybody wanted to hire as head coach, right? Everybody wanted him as their head coach after the great job, and he did do a great job with the Raiders that year. Um, we heard that. Then we heard media in Las Vegas, some of our beat guys, some of the people who come on this show, criticizing other members of the media for stories like that. It's crazy because I'm wondering, now we've talked about our last show, we talked about possible candidates and that was, and, and, but throughout the whole thing, we've said, look, the top candidate right now is Antonio Pierce because he has the job and he has an open audition. He's got five games left. He's two and two, right? He's two and two in a nine game audition. So ultimately he has the opportunity and he has the best opportunity because he's there. We mentioned some names. We talked about a first segment or whatever. But is it too early to do that? I mean, we don't know what's going to happen. We can assume, I think, I've said, and I know people got mad at me, but I said, look, love Antonio Pierce. He's two and two, beat two really bad teams, lost to two good teams, okay? The last two games, game management has not been good. It's been very inefficient, which shows inexperience. Not surprised. And not being overly critical. It is what it is. He does, he's not done this before. But that, to me, sends out signals that, wow, okay, is that who you're going to turn? Yes, he has to learn. Do you want to, as the head of the franchise, Mark Davis, who has had a massive amount of losing over the last 25 years, do you want to trust the future of your team on the field 
to a great guy, a good coach, who's going to have to learn on the job? My answer is, I don't think he does. But this whole idea of talking about coaching candidates right now, outside of those of us who work in content creation in the media, is it really a discussion yet to have, Mo? It's absolutely a discussion to have, but I do get the logic of people saying, well, you have to find out who the GM is first. Is, is Champ, are the Rays going to retain Champ Kelly and he's he going to pick a head coach of his choosing? Or do you go out and get another GM and have that GM pick the head coach of their choosing? So I understand the GM should always come first because you want that GM, as I've said on the show, you always want that GM to have a long-term vision to, to counter or complement a short-term vision of a head coach. They should work hand-in-hand. Hand. One guy shouldn't have you know, complete autonomy over the other. And that's what you're seeing in some of the stories out there about Dave Ziegler is that he just acquiesced to whatever Josh McDaniels wanted. And that's what you don't want because that was the same situation with Gruden and Reggie McKenzie and then Gruden with Mayock is you felt like Gruden was making all the decisions, right? And you need, you need a GM, you need a front office executive who's going to push back and say, no, we need to do it this way. We need to draft this player. We need to sign this player because long-term vision, again, takes into effect. But I, I think it's fun to have the head coaching conversation right now because, let's be honest, a lot of people don't know or aren't familiar with a lot of the front office guys. I believe we talked about this before when the Raiders, before the Raiders hired Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler is that you're going to hear much more discussion about head coaching candidates because you see these candidates on the sideline. You yeah. see these guys as coordinators, as position coaches, as head coaches of other teams or other college programs. You don't see front office executives front and center in front of the camera. So a lot of people are familiar with, you know, Ed Dodds or Horowitz or or guys at, like DeCosta and in Baltimore. So Baltimore. those names aren't going to flow off the tongue as easy. So you're not going to see or hear much discussion about it until it's time to hire one. But I think logically speaking, you hire your general manager and then your head coach, but the head coaching discussion always gets more play because those candidates are more known than the front office executives. Yeah, and I think I think the 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 interesting part of the discussion that I see amongst fans and even some some folks in the media is this idea that boy, we tried a coordinator last time. We tried Josh McDaniels and it was a disaster. So we shouldn't go that direction. Just give it to just give it to to Antonio Pierce. And I'm always blown away by that because look, I don't care if it's waking up tomorrow, folks. There's no guarantee in life. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. There's no guarantee. So you can say, well, you could bring in a coordinator. You look at all the coordinators who have failed. But I would say also look at the coordinators who have succeeded, like Mike McDaniel in Miami, like Dan Campbell, who was also an interim head coach in Miami for a little bit, by the way. Uh, you have all of these guys, D'Amico Ryans down in Houston. He's a defensive guy, but look what he's done there in Houston. So you have to look at it from the perspective of who has experience. So when you say, well, an offensive coordinator, like I – I'm on the Frank Smith bandwagon. You know that. We talked about that last time. Well, he doesn't call the plays in Miami. Well, he does have input on the plays, and he runs the offense otherwise. And he also has a pedigree. He's went through, uh, he's went through position coach, coaching positions, just like Antonio Pierce now has. And he moved his way up to coordinator, and he's been very instrumental in that offense in Miami. The same can be said uh, for Detroit. So you look at you look at the same things happening there and you want a guy who's had to run something. So that's my main issue with Antonio Pierce. He's a good coach. He's a good motivator. He gets the team ready to play. All good. They like him. That's great. 
but he has not ever been in charge of, at the NFL level, a unit of offense. He's been in charge of a position. So he has less experience than those coordinators. And so when you look at possible candidates, that's why. I do agree with people saying don't get retreads, okay? Harbaugh is the only one I hear out there sort of, if you want to call him a retread, he's been away from the NFL for a while, but he's also been very successful every position he's had. So you look at that and you have to take it into account. Again, people get really emotional about this. And Antonio Pierce, because people feel he's one of us, want to give him a job. That is until the next year. And I'm not saying it would happen. Just it, let's say it happened. They came out in the next year with Antonio Pierce as a permanent head coach, and they win two of the first 10 games. That ain't going to be the, 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 the narrative anymore. People are going to be, what's going on? Why aren't we winning? Why aren't we hiring this guy? Blah, blah, blah. So I think when you look at it, you have to look at it holistically. And, and there are no guarantees. There's always risk. But you have to make the best possible hire that you can at the time for what your team needs. And, Mo, this is important, and for where the league is going. Someone who's going to get you along with a GM who's got the same kind of mindset to the next level, to be able to compete with the Kansas Cities, the Baltimores, and so on. So I have a lot of things to say about this. And I had so much that I had to jot down notes. I was listening to you, but I also had to jot down notes because I, yeah. I didn't want to miss anything. Now, to your point about people pushing back on, on Frank Smith, oh, he doesn't call plays in Miami. Guess what? Mike McDaniel didn't call plays in San Francisco. That was Kyle <laughs> Shanahan. Right. Guess what? Kevin O'Connell, the Minnesota Vikings head coach, did not call plays in Los Angeles under Sean McVay. Right. But, like I said, those guys, fairly su- successful offenses where they've been. So you can't count on a guy just because he didn't call plays. If he was part of an operation that was successful and running things smoothly, you have to consider him because he obviously knows how things should look and how things run. So Mike McDaniel and Kevin O'Connell are the prime examples of offensive coordinators who didn't call plays at their previous job before they came head coach. So we can toss that out. The other thing I want to get to is the Antonio Pierce thing about people wanting to give him the job now. Now, Murph, if you're listening to this, I love you, Murph. <laughs> Great guy. You know you're my guy, Murph. But a lot of Raider Nation wants to give Antonio Pierce the job without seeing the results. And I'm asking, when has that ever been a valid argument? <clears throat> without getting the results of something, you just give the person a job? If you're hiring somebody for a position, you don't care about the results. You just say, I'll oh, give him the job before he even finishes his audition. When is, when, how often does that work out where you make the mistake of settling on a candidate? And I don't want to say settling because Antonio Pierce, we don't know if it's a settle or not. We'll see in these last five games. But when has it ever worked out for you when you, you had a person in and you said, okay, without seeing all the other candidates, Without him finishing his audition, without him filling out his resume, I'm just going to hire this person based on what I see off of a small sample size. I think that's the same mistake that Mark Davis made last year because if you read Tashawn Reed's uh, column in The Athletic, he wrote, a, he wrote about Mark Davis's head coaching search when he before he hired Mc, uh, McDaniels was before the offseason even hit, he had it in his head that he wanted to hire McDaniels. He kind of just zeroed in on McDaniels. And you see how that worked out. Mm-hmm. You have to open up the net of your search. You can't You can't just go, this is my guy. Without even seeing all the other candidates, without seeing the results of the rest of the season, which is crucial, by the way, you don't make a decision on a candidate before <clears throat> the year is done. Results do matter. We're still, the NFL is still a bottom line business where wins and losses still count. You can't hire a guy just because you like him. You have right. to see the results. These last five games do matter for Antonio Pierce and his resume. And not only that, but again, 
again, these same folks, I think the same people that I hear from, direct message and otherwise, who are all, oh, Antonio, just give them the job. We're always looking outside. We got one of our own. Again, if they were two and 10 next year, you'd be the first ones on there telling me to fire the guy. So let's temper that expectation because I think you're right. I think this whole I like the guy is one thing, but it is a results-based business. He has nine games. Don't give me excuses either. Don't tell me, well, he inherited a crappy playbook and he did this and he did that. No, 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 no. With every crappy opportunity, with every crappy situation, there is an opportunity. He has an opportunity. Antonio Pierce, and God bless him, I hope he does it. He has nine games to say, I am a head coach in the NFL, and I deserve this job. If he goes three and six, he does not deserve the job. Plain and simple. He's a great guy. And I even see people couching it. Well, if he doesn't get the job, Mark Davis needs to keep him on staff. That's not how it works. That's like saying, hey, yeah, I voted for you as president, but I want to keep the other vice president because we really like that person. Yeah, not going to happen. It's... Funny to me because a lot of people say this to me and I see it every week on the X slash Twitter, right? I don't care who the quarterback is. I don't care who the head coach is. is I just want to see my team win, right? So if Antonio Pierce goes three and six, that's not really seeing your team win, is it? So wouldn't, no. you, want, wouldn't you want to at least see who the other candidates are to compare resumes and say, maybe this is a better candidate? Like I said, I'm not dismissing Antonio Pierce. I'm saying let the season play out before you make a decision. Let him earn that position. Let him prove that he he can hold down that head coaching spot. Don't just give it to him before the audition is even over. You don't just, as I said, I'm going to go back to this example. A person walks in a room and and you feel a good vibe from that person. You don't just go say, yeah, I'm I'm hiring that person. That person's getting the job right now, right off the bat. Before the person even says anything, before he even makes his pitch or her pitch, before he even shows me his resume, before the audition is over, this is going to be my hire before seeing any other candidates. When has that ever worked out for any business across any industry? It doesn't work out. You open the net and then you make the best possible decision on the best candidate. Not the candidate that you like the most. The best candidate for the position. Usually that comes with a winning track record or some type, some type of success as an offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator elsewhere. You compare the resumes. You don't make the decision before the season's over because, as I've said, what is the rush to make the decision right now? Yeah, I, 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 I don't get it. Um, I mean, I, there's been plenty of guys that I like, right? And and sometimes they, you know, if they're not performing, you look, you just, what can you do? Not the right situation. Need more experience. Whatever it may be. So that, that's, the, that's the, the key there. All right, we're going to take our final break here on Silver and Black today, the Tuesday edition. We come back, we'll close out the show. I do want to go back to the, the, the general manager question because I think coming off what you just said, Mo, about the coaching search, let's talk about that too from a general manager perspective uh, and what that means for this because I think that position, everybody's focused on coach, like you said, because it's, it's up front and it's public. But the general manager question is actually the biggest one because – you have to get somebody who's going to help build this roster into a championship roster. They need autonomy from the coach, which obviously we didn't have with Dave Ziegler or with John Gruden and Mike Mayock, and they need it now. So we'll get into that here in our last segment. You're with Mo and Scott. This is Silver and Black Today. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. Silver and Black Today, Mo Moten, Scott Branson. We are your guides through 
the murky world of Raider Nation. Yes, it can be murky at times, as we talked about so far today. (laughs) Not always clear. Sometimes there's a lot of fighting and we punch each other in the eye and then you give each other a hug afterwards. But anyway, we're back talking about Raiders football. The Raiders coming off the bye. Of course, I had the Minnesota Vikings this coming week. We will get more into the game and looking ahead to that later in the week. But want to close out the show. Mo, we were talking about head coach a lot last segment. We, you mentioned Champ Kelly. You talked about general manager. And I think this is a big deal because we are hearing from, and remember, there are stories that come out sometimes that come through agents and whatnot. We've talked a lot about that on this show. You know, Champ Kelly has been, we, we've heard Champ Kelly has a good shot of getting the job. I agree, he probably does. We also heard Mark Davis was kind of high on him and maybe was going to hire him as the GM before. Instead, he went with Dave Ziegler because Josh McDaniel's the connection there. So does that help or hurt him, Mo? To your point, Mark Davis has said about the coaching search, I'm not going to do what I did last year. I'm not going to say I have my eyes set on one person. I'm going to keep an open mind. I'm going to evaluate. With the general manager, especially since he's in-house and apparently he's had respect and liked him before enough that he might have hired him before, does that does Champ Kelly really have that much of an advantage? Or do you think Mark Davis is going to take the same approach with GM as he's going to take with head coach? I think he's going to take the same approach where he keeps keeps an open mind, and he should. But I think it's fair to say that Champ Kelly has the inside track to the job. He's the front runner, and not just because he has the current interim position like Antonio Pierce, but because Mark Davis has already come out and said he would have hired Champ Kelly as the general manager if he didn't hire Joshua Daniels and Dave Ziegler as a package deal. So that lets you know that he was very high. Champ Kelly obviously impressed him in the interview process, and that, that means a lot. Because now you can kind of, if you're going to interview him again, you are, you can kind of rehash, okay, now that Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler are out of the picture, what is your plan? You know, it's kind of like a follow-up, almost a second-round interview after you've had your first one a couple of years ago. So I think that helps Champ Kelly. That familiarity with Mark Davis also helps him. So I think there's more of a chance that Champ Kelly keeps his job than Antonio Pierce keeps his job, unless Champ Kelly then says, if I'm GM, I want to hire Antonio Pierce. Then it, that's another package deal situation, and I understand that because you kind of want to keep the synergy. And the one thing I will defend some Raider fans on is I think they want to keep Antonio Pierce and Champ Kelly because they don't want to do a full-blown rebuild. So I've seen the argument, and this argument is valid, that if you bring in a new GM and a new head coach, they're going to want their guys. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to get rid of some of the guys that that the previous regime, regime has drafted and or signed. And you're, the nose players are going to have to learn a new system, and then you're re- starting the cycle all over again. And, you know, you got to go through the learning process and blah, blah, blah. So I understand that part of it. So I, I kind of get keeping Champ Kelly because then it's not – he was part of that front office that drafted Tyree Wilson, Byron Young, and Michael Mayer. So there is a commitment to develop those guys because that was part of your draft class. So I get it. But as I said with Antonio Pierce – Right, you have to go through the full interview process. Let the season play out. The Raiders have made some moves to bring in guys who could make an impact in these final five games as part of a GM's job to bring in guys off the street and hopefully they make an impact. You got to replace Marcus Peters. Part of that is also GM work when you sign guys. So we'll see what Champ Kelly, where he is at the end of the season as far as the moves that he made post Dave Ziegler. And we'll evaluate that in totality and what those players have done on the field in a short stint, albeit. But I think he has a better shot of keeping his job than Antonio Pierce. But I would say he's definitely the front runner for the spot. 
Yeah, and I don't disagree with any of that. I think it all makes a lot of sense at the same time. And and I listen, I understand Raider fans too. The the amount of rebuilding and restarts that they've been through mm-hmm. is exhausting. Yep. It's exhausting. But I will tell you this. There are numerous, numerous examples from around the NFL where there's been complete turnovers and within a year things are much better. Or two years, they're in the playoff. So so I think that it's not impossible. Because the Raiders haven't been successful at doing it doesn't mean it can't be done. Now, I know what you're saying there. Well, Mark Davis hasn't done it successfully. But you pick the right people, you put them in the right situations and leave them alone, and they can. So we'll have to see. That's why these, these hires are important. And, and I agree with you. Champ Kelly is well-respected around the league. And, and I want to dive deeper into, like, what did he do in Chicago? Because Chicago is a mess. Now, they've had coaching issues there, of course, but they also have had, they've missed on a lot of draft picks. Was that Champ Kelly or not? Which draft picks was he responsible for? Wasn't he responsible for? I think it's worth exploring, but at least you know that you have somebody there who has capability. He has interviewed for the jobs. And that's the other thing. If, if the Raiders can somehow do well towards the end of this year and Champ Kelly's name gets up there, he might have other offers too. You never know, uh, but it'll be interesting to watch. And that's something we're going to have to, I think, address over the next several weeks as we get towards the end of the season is kind of where where does the, where does this search go? Are there other GMs that are hot, that are possible, that are better fit? Maybe there aren't, but he certainly, like Antonio Pierce, has the opportunity to audition. Not a lot to be able to do with the roster, but there is some. And again, it's also about establishing the culture within the building and, and doing all that. And obviously, it sounds like he's doing a great job of that. One thing I will say is that I don't want another head coach basically picking his general manager because usually that means that the head coach has full autonomy and that general manager has zero to very little power and constructing a roster. I want the Raiders, though we are talking a lot about head coaching candidates, I do want the Raiders to hire the general manager, have that general manager pick a head coach, have those guys be able to to have conversations, real conversations about how to construct the roster. And they both have some, you know, some, some, power over the roster personnel, not just one person. Agreed. All right. Well, we're going to have an interesting week. Uh, We'll talk about the Raiders and the Vikings coming up here on our Thursday show. Hopefully we're going to drop another mailbag as well this week on Wednesday as our our goal. We'll see what that goes. I think we should Wednesday or Friday at the worst, but we will do that. Mo, we got about two minutes left. Tell everybody what you got going this week on Bleacher Report on Sports Not. And of course, with your Bleacher Report lives. Bleacher Report live coming up at noon Eastern time, 9 Pacific. So you're going to have to get up early. Have your breakfast, have your grits and eggs, whatever you eat, your waffles, your toast. And we'll talk Raiders early on Wednesday. And as usual, I'll leave my Sports Not piece as TBD to be determined. It'll be something related to their matchup against the Vikings on how to maybe attack the Vikings defense and what's going on with the Vikings offense because there are questions about Who's going to be their quarterback after Josh Jobs stunk it up on Monday Night Football against the Bears? There you go. And uh, for me, look up on Sportsnet. I'm going to have, and, and it, but it was no, no accident, I'm going to have a piece on Champ Kelly coming up on Sportsnet. So just look out for that one. And we will be back uh, later in the week. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Mo, I will talk to you. This, uh, late, bleh, 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 excuse me if I can talk. I will talk to you later this week. <laughs> Sounds good, Scott. All right. Uh, I want to thank you guys all for being with us. For our producer, Mike Robier, for everybody here at Silver and Black today. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you on Wednesday with a mailbag, and we will talk to you Thursday. Yes, Thursday for our regular show where we'll preview the Vikings. For everybody here, have a great week. Take care.